Would you turn your Bible to Acts chapter 3, Acts the third chapter. We're in a series of studies in the book of Acts, and we come today to chapter 3, a very exciting chapter. And uh, the title of the message this morning, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank you for all that has gone into this hour thus far as we have met to worship thee in spirit and in truth. We ask that the Holy Spirit would now arrest our attention and help us to see what the Word of God is saying to our own individual heart. Everyone here has a special need. We pray those needs will be met. We ask that the Holy Spirit would move across our heartstrings and awaken us to the things of the Lord. We ask you to cleanse us from every sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his birth, or his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was the one who sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man who was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together into them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham and the, of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before hath shown by the mouth of his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, 
that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, who before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the age began. That's as far as we'll read in that section of Scripture. I want you to notice, as we look as a text at verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. Would you notice, first of all, they are at the beautiful gate of the temple. Now it was just a little while before this that Jesus had been in the temple. He had cast out the money changers. He had stood for the things that were righteous and godly. And the ire of the public opinion of the people was raised against him. And a few days after that, Jesus was condemned to die on a cross, not for his own sins, but for our sins. And he who knew no, no, no sin actually became sin for us and died in our place. Now the resurrection had already taken place, and the disciples who had been scared out of their wits had now the power of God's Holy Spirit upon them, and they boldly declared the gospel of Christ. Come to chapter 1 of Acts. Theophilus is a Roman official, and Luke is writing this book, the first church history to Theophilus. And in that uh, section, he records that the disciples came to Jesus after the resurrection, just before the ascension. They said, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, it is not for you know the, the times or the seasons, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the utmost parts of the earth. The rest of the book of Acts is the unfolding of that little outline in Acts 1.8. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. As chapter 2 begins, the disciples were in the upper room. There came a mighty rushing wind and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak about Jesus in other languages. And folks that had come there from all over the world began to hear about Jesus in their own language. And they were amazed. And then they all came together and Simon Peter stood up, the man who had denied Jesus, now a rock for Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up and preached. And 3,000 people came to Jesus that day. And they that gladly received the word were baptized. And they all continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread. Now this is a little thumbnail sketch behind chapter 3. Now Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. There were three times that the disciples used to pray and the early Jews used to pray. They'd pray in the morning. They'd pray at noon, and they'd pray in the afternoon. Sometimes at 6 o'clock in the morning, and then at noon, and then at 6 in the evening. They were going to the temple to pray. And outside the temple was a beggar. 
A songwriter has depicted one sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and night was turned to day. When Jesus comes, things happen. The beggar standing there by the temple was standing at the right place. You know, it's interesting when people have a need, they often go to the house of God or to the people of God. And that's rightly so. Now, there are some agnostics and atheists that are philanthropists and will help others. But the people of God have been touched by the Spirit of God. And there needs to be within us the milk of human kindness that would reach out to people and love folks in all of their needs. I think it's better to help somebody that doesn't need it, though you think they need it, they persuaded you that they need it, than to have a cold heart and pass up somebody who really has a need just because you've been taken advantage of before. God's people continually face that. Peter and John were on their way to the temple. And I want you to notice three or four things about this passage of Scripture. First of all, the beggar's question. He needed something. He came to the right place. Look in verse 2. And a certain man, lame from his birth, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. He came to the right place. How tragic when people can come to the right place and get the wrong answer. Sometimes when people come they think to the right place. We give them some little do-good slogan. We say, if you did better, if you lived differently, you wouldn't be in this condition. Or we say, you go do good. Or if you're worried about your guilt, well, just turn over a new life, leaf in your life. Everything will be okay. Or sometimes people come, we don't have time for them. And we say, scram, get out of here, I don't have any time for you. What a tragedy it is when people come to the right place and get the wrong answer. Now this man was begging by the temple. He came to the right place. He had no idea what was gonna to happen to him that day. None, none whatsoever. But as usual was his custom, he held out his hand, he begged an alms from Peter and John. I want to pause to say, you and I are the beggar. We're destitute. We need to identify with this man. We have nothing and need everything. A person will not really ask for a drink of water unless he's thirsty. He will not ask for salvation if he is not aware of his need. Most of us would not go out on the street and beg unless we were utterly destitute. I've known of some respectable men who got in a hard place and their families had nothing to eat 
and their children were hungry and they dropped their pride and asked for some help. Now you and I are beggars spiritually. We have nothing good in our own lives. But not until we get to the point where we recognize we have a need are we going to really ask for something. That's the reason most of the world today just brushes by. They don't bother coming to the house of God or coming to a Christian and saying, can you help me spiritually? And lots of times when we go knock on doors, we can knock on the door of a person that is destitute spiritually in terrible hunger, spiritually in terrible need. That person is so filled with pride, he does not ask. That was not true with this man at the, bay, at the beautiful temple, beautiful gate. He knew he needed something. Of course, what he needed, what he thought he needed was some physical alms, maybe some money or some bread or a, a ticket to go down here and spend the night somewhere. He needed something. He came to the right place. And beloved, whether it's a physical need or a spiritual need, when people come to the right place, let's not send them away empty-handed. Let's help them. If ever there was anyone in the earth that could help people that are in need, it is those who know Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something else. The disciples' response. Look in verses 4 through 6. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The disciples gave the man attention. They looked at him and saw his need. And then they said, look on us. In other words, pay attention to what I'm going to say to you. Listen to what we are going to tell you. Now some are so intent on their own need, they will not really listen to you. Some do not want what the people of God can give them. And some people of God take the easy way and give them what they've asked for when they did not give them what they really need. I think of a, a family that had a real need. And they came at a very busy time and asked. And I have to tell you, I was tempted to just send them away. I was busy. But instead of sending them away, God spoke to my heart. He said, you need to take some time with this family. I talked with them a little while, found out their spiritual need, took them out to a restaurant, got them some food, got them some gas for them.
heart. I said, now look, I've been with you a little while. I wonder if you'll listen to me a little while. We sat at that restaurant. I explained to them how to give their hearts to Jesus. And they both were saved. God changed their lives. How do you know? Very seldom does this happen. They went off. I didn't see them anymore, but I got a letter from them. Very seldom does that ever happen. And in the letter, they said, thank you for helping us when we were in need. And thank you for the big help you gave us in telling us about Jesus. We've found a Baptist church. We've gotten into that church, confessed Christ our Savior. We've been baptized. We're happy in the Lord. And God has given us a job. And we're going on with God. A need met. I just thought, after I got the letter, it brought tears to my eyes. I thought, well, suppose I'd done what so many times I'm tempted to do, just pass them by, maybe hand them a dollar, get them some gas or do something like that. That doesn't meet their needs. That man standing at the beautiful gate of the temple, he didn't really just need an alms or a handout. He needed something else. Now we've had some people that all they want is a handout. They won't take the time to listen to you. We had a man come by one day and he said, I, we're in need and I wonder if you could help us. It was on Sunday. I said, well, if you'll stay for the church service, I'll talk to you right after the service. And the man started cussing me. He said, you mean that's a condition? I have to stay for church in order for you to help me? Immediately, I knew something was wrong, and I said, yes, sir, that's the condition. If I can't minister to you spiritually, I can't minister to you physically. The man cussed me out and left. You see, there are some people who don't want what we have to give them. Not only those who are in physical need, but those in spiritual need. There may be someone in this room this morning who has just come to church. And you have a deep spiritual need deep down in the depths of your life and your heart. Will you take time to let God minister to you spiritually? And then as he ministers to you spiritually, he'll help you physically. I've always admired the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. That mission has been in in a session, I don't think it's ever closed its doors since the latter part of the 1800s. Mel Trotter was saved there. Billy Sunday was moved by God at that place. Many other people have been moved by God. They've always had a rule. We'll minister to you. We'll give you a place to sleep. We'll give you some food if you're destitute and in need. But before you get the food and before you get the sleep, we have a preaching service you need to attend. Some of our folks have been there. We had a youth team go to, the, go to that mission one day and have a service. And uh, God blessed and people were saved that night. Some of you may have been there at that meeting. This man had a need. He recognized his need. He didn't know what his real need was, but he knew he came to the right place, the temple. And here were the right people, Peter and John, and he held out his hand, would you give us an alms? 
Now the response of the disciples. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now let me say this to you. Silver and gold will buy some things. It'll buy houses and lands and cars and pleasure and things and travel and rings and clothes. It'll buy a lot of things, but it cannot buy peace or joy or love or happiness. There's something deeper we need in order to have those inner quests met. Silver and gold will buy some things. This is what people really think they need. If I could just have a million dollars, you'd still have the same old self to live with, same old person to look in the mirror at every day. And some of the most unhappy people in the world are folks that have a million dollars. Some of the most unhappy people in the world are the movie actors in Hollywood who have all the pleasure, physical pleasure they could ever want, but they're miserable. Silver and gold have I none. In other words, Peter and John were saying to that man, what you really need is not what I, I don't have anything that you think you need. I don't have any money. I don't even have any food to give you. But what I do have, I want to share with you. And that man had spiritual sensitivity enough to stick around and let Peter and John minister to them. Now I want you to notice the answer from heaven. Look in verse 7. John or Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankles bones received strength and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God and they knew it was the man who sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him and as the lame man who was healed held Peter and John all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering now Peter and John took time to say we don't have what you think you need but we have something we know you need and he took them by the hand and he lifted him up and somehow there was a contagion faith. There's something about a touch. When you go to pray with somebody, if you can, take their hand or put your hand on their shoulder. If you're in the hospital or if you're somewhere praying, sometimes there's a circle of prayer and you join hands. There's something about the touch, the physical touch that, is help, that helps contagious faith to leap from your heart to their heart if you're filled with God. And Peter and John were filled with God that day. And they reached out and took the man's hand and lifted him up. And the man immediately received what he really needed. Not what he said he wanted, but what he needed. He said, I want some alms. But what he really needed was a change of heart. And God moved into his life. And when his mind was changed and his heart was changed and his destiny was changed, his physical being was changed. 
And of course, a miracle took place and the man was healed. And he began to leap around and my, what a day they had in the temple that day. They couldn't believe it. Everybody came together and saw this man outside of himself jumping and leaping. He had not done it for years and years, if ever. He was lame from his mother's womb. And here he was weep, leaping and jumping and praising God. And they came out there and said, what in the world has happened? This is the same man that used to sit at the alms, at the, sit there and ask for alms. Something has happened. And I think, Pete, I think the man, let's call him Joel, looked at Peter and John, pointed to them and said, that's what did it. And Peter and John immediately stood up. Wait a minute. They said, why do you look at us? We didn't do this. It wasn't with our power. It was the name of Jesus that changed this man. They gave God the glory. The response came from heaven, and they gave God the glory. When God moves into somebody's life, God receives all the glory and honor and credit. Thank God that you and I can be instruments through which his glory and his joy and his forgiveness and his grace can go into the life of others. But always God receives the glory. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. Rise up in the name of Jesus. Now I want you to notice the power of one man's testimony. This man leaping and praising God filled his, his heart filled with joy. He gave the disciples the opportunity to preach. And in these next few verses, Peter and John stood up and began to preach about Jesus. He gave the religious hypocrites the right to show themselves for what they were because they came out of the closet and they openly uh, were rebuking Peter and John because they had done this miracle. And if you look over at chapter 4, Verse 3, they laid hands on them and put them in custody into the next day, for he, it was now even. But notice in verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4, many of them who heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000 people. 5,000 people got saved as a result of that one man asking alms and Peter and John taking time to minister to him. Now listen. All about us are people with needs, not just physical needs, or there are people that need, they need some food, they need clothes, they need a place to live. I wish, I wish our church budget could afford a large division of that budget to help poor people. But that's just half the story. There are people who live in $300,000 homes and who wear three and four hundred dollar suits and who drive cars that would cost fifty thousand dollars who have deep needs in their hearts and we pass them day by day by day and we go about our busy schedules so filled with ourselves and so filled with all the things we've got to get done that sometimes we just don't have time and we overlook somebody where there's a real need. Well, maybe God will raise up somebody else to help them. We miss the blessing. I don't understand all about election and predestination and God's moving power. I know it's real. 
And perhaps if we fail to witness to somebody, somebody else may do it. Or maybe that person will never get saved. But I know one thing, we have missed the blessing. I think one reason God blessed this church so richly, and God enables to see a lot of folks give their hearts to Christ, is because Glendale Baptist Church has always had a heart for people with needs. I remember years and years ago, Joel Van Meter was a deacon at that time, and he would drive across the city and see folks in deep need, and he'd come to me again and again and speak of these needs, and he began to haul people in his car. Some of you remember this, when we were in that building, the flat roof building, and he brought some folks here that had never been here to church before. It was from that that this church reached out and started the Glendale Chapel to reach a need there. And then others of our men got on their hearts, the folks in this city that, need, that had spiritual needs, and they came and presented that need over and over again in prayer, and that was behind the church borrowing $80,000 to go into the buses and buy those buses in order to make the church as close as the street in front of everybody's house in this area to meet needs. And again and again and again we have people who meet week by week to go out as soul winning teams, to knock on doors and try to bring folks to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's never get away from that anchor and that mooring. Let's find the people with spiritual needs and meet those needs. And the greatest need a person has is the need for Jesus Christ. The greatest need you have today is the need for Jesus. And I want to tell you, the reason this man got up and leaped and walked and praised God and God so got hold of him that he got outside of himself, the reason for that was because God changed him. And when God changes, you're changed. You're changed all over from the tip of your head to the feet of your foot to the tip of your foot. God changes you. He changes your heart. He changes your mind. He changes everything about you. And when God changes you, you're a blessing, not only to yourself and to your family, but to other people. We've seen a lot of people blessed, a lot of lives changed, but let's think of the ones out there that still need changing. They need something. They don't know what they need. They may be standing on the street corner begging. They may come ring the telephone and say, I need this or that or the other. We need to minister to those people. Or they may be behind some closed door and we go and knock on the door and they say, I'm not interested. And yet God's Holy Spirit says, whether they're interested or not, I'm interested in them. And God leads you back again and again to go and urge them to come to Christ. And when Jesus comes in, he can change lives. Now, beloved, if you're here today and you have guilt in your heart, you have a need in your life, Jesus can change you and help you. He'll lift you out of the past into a glorious tomorrow. But you have to let him. May we bow together in prayer.
with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Our Father, thank you for this time together to study the Word of God. We feel like saying this morning as a church, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have give we unto thee. Rise up. And Lord, some listening by radio, some right here in the auditorium, have deep needs in their lives. Give them the faith to reach out and say, Lord, I trust you. I'm willing to be helped if you'll lift me. And Lord, we know you'll do it because thou art always responding to faith. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.